Hey TRB fans, it's James here, and I just wanted to tell you about JewelryBrands.shop. It's a great place to find Star Wars pins, necklaces, cufflinks, money clips, and so much more. Personally, I love shopping by character, because I can click on the child and see everything Grogu all in one place. And if you do decide to pick something up, make sure you use promo code TRB at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Again, that's JewelryBrands.shop and promo code TRB. Enjoy the episode, and may the Force be with you. You're listening to this broadcast. Air part of Welcome back, everybody, to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thanks so much for joining us today. It is our Monday show. It is March 29th. March is already almost over, which means April showers bring May the 4th. I think that's how the phrase goes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what we are going to talk about is the latest going on in Star Wars news uh, and um, some interesting stories, actually. So I'm really excited to get into that. James and Lacey with me. As always, uh, James, you are not wearing a Star Wars shirt today. You're wearing a uh, like a, one of those hooded uh, zippy things. Is there a Star Wars shirt underneath that you're going to reveal kind of like a Superman thing? Or is it just not happening on the cards for you today? Um, no, I mean, I could I could show you what's underneath. It's what I, you know, I've been wearing it all day, all week. You gotta be kidding me right now! <laughs> oh my God. I do not believe this. <laughs> a banned phrase from the podcast. <laughs> the guy finds a loophole. <laughs> so James's shirt for our audio listeners. James's shirt says, "The man, the myth, the legend." Oh my God! What are you talking about? I don't John? believe this. James is all this. about the long game. To let them sit there and act like nothing's up and then wait for the opportune moment. You know what's funny, though? Like, some of our audience, they'll they'll believe me when I say this, but some will think this was some sort of setup. I did not know that he had this shirt on. Neither I, yeah. I, just, I. I, I was, was actually like, a little I'm bit freaking out because I planned I, on revealing it right then, but you set me up so perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I was just honestly thought I was just poking fun at you for not wearing a Star Wars shirt. Right, I'm you wear wearing shirts a... all the time. That mm-hmm. yeah, I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt that's that's mm-hmm. faded, has a, the lightsaber on. But yeah, so that was yeah, that was <laughs> oh not a bit, folks. God. That's an organic <laughs> bit to kick off what should be a very uh, well. It's great, the great baby planned then. bit. Yeah, yeah. Love so it. so do, can we get a brief? Who P-B-P. bought that for you? I hope you didn't buy that for yourself. I, I did buy that for myself. I was I was shopping today and I saw it and I thought. When are you ever going to find such a perfect shirt for something that I, has been like my so, or our podcast pet peeve or whatever? One of one of our pet peeves. Yeah. The other is being uh, don't use puns with the word force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or you don't say like no pun intended. Or I wasn't here for man, myth, legend because I said it a couple weeks ago and you guys like so ma- me the man, the myth, it. and legend is and I my take on it is when you're trying to introduce a guy, obviously. But you have no good adjectives to describe them, so you just insert the man, the myth, the legend. And in other in other words, in my opinion, when someone introduces you by saying the man, the myth, the legend, 
you're not worth much and you don't have anything to be introduced with. Or, so. or they just really didn't deep. do very much research or something. They didn't yeah. do their homework. Yeah. yeah, it's lazy. Yeah, it's it's and it, it I said it jokingly about Luke Skywalker in my Outpost video. Yes, yes, you did. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things that we kind of make fun of in the podcast. And when people say it, it's just like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and now James uh, has anointed himself that. So there we go. Uh, that all right, ridiculous. so... Lacey, um, do you have any uh, self-ego stroking shirts uh, in your closet, <laughs> or is this just a, a James thing? No, I just I a James thing. I'm gonna buy like on Seinfeld when they did like uh, World's Best Dad. I'm gonna buy like sure, sure, the World's <laughs> Greatest. I've been uh, watching Seinfeld. Man, that show is so good. I've been rewatching episode by episode. It's mm. one of those shows that even though it has the audience laughing which i feel like is a dated thing it still works for seinfeld it seems genuine in the laugh it does yeah especially the kramer bits like to the point where they had audiences there and he had to stop and wait for the laughter to stop before he can continue his dialogue and i'm on season two right now i'm doing a rewatch and i'm writing every funny joke every my favorite joke from each episode i'm tweeting it's a big thread oh wow nice yeah um yeah seinfeld's one of my top two favorite shows of all time it's coming to netflix Found that I out know. today. Oh, I knew that. I already knew that. Okay. Um, well, you're welcome. You. <laughs> I didn't know that. So thank you to both of you. I guess I don't know. My for as far as comedies go, it's top two for me. Guess what the other one is? Office. Yes. Because those are my top two. <clears throat> All right. So, um, Star well, Wars. I'm older than you, so I I'm first. Um. Oh my God. So that's how this goes. All right. Here's the deal. Star Wars is the name of the game. A uh, real quick. Um, just in case you need to get yourself a nice cup of coffee, uh, go to weirdbrothers.com and we partnered with them. They are a small business down in Virginia. We made a brew with them. I know a lot of you already know, a lot of you already bought that and have enjoyed the coffee. Keep letting us know the feedback on that, but just look up the resistance brew. You could buy our coffee with them and you'll be helping out them as a small business, us as a small podcast and content creators and getting yourself a nice cup of coffee. So weirdbrothers.com, look up the resistance brew and Cheers. Enjoy. I have some actually right in here. Nice. To get me through this journey tonight. Um, or this morning to not break yeah. the um, continuity. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, James Bainey. The, I'm not going to say it. James Bainey, the <laughs> Resistance Report is the name of the segment. So let's, uh, let's, let's give some takes. It's the Resistance Guys, everyone, it's it's the same story over and over again. <laughs> but I'm going to tell it to you once again, because it's been asked once again. EW was sitting down with Kevin Feige, and they the asked man, about the myth, his, the legend. Yeah, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Feige. Um, <laughs> his involvement in Star Wars beyond the film that he's been uh, confirmed to produce and he had to say it to them. No, 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 no. That's all Kathy Kennedy. This is a quote, too. I'm involved in as much as I stay up until midnight L.A. time to watch the new episodes of The Mandalorian when they drop. That's the news. <laughs> Guys, get it. Get it in there. He's not involved in Star Wars, at least to the extent that he's not announcing anything. But look, you're not going to get an answer from him until they announce something. So look, it's fine. This is the news. John, do you have anything to add to this? This is crazy. Yeah. So here's the thing, you know, and I, you know, people are gonna feel like oh, I already 
I already listened to this episode of the Resistance broadcast where they talked about this, but this is one of those things that is going to keep coming up anytime this guy has to put his face out there to talk about his actual projects. Because mm-hmm. Star Wars, any anytime you're in any way connected to Star Wars, whether you're an actor who was in it for a little bit 25 years ago, or someone like Kevin Feige, who is under the Disney umbrella and will be producing a Star Wars film at some point, you're going to get asked about your involvement in Star Wars going forward. Uh, even Liam Neeson, to this day, uh, which we all expect him to come back for Obi-Wan Kenobi, has been asked about Star Wars, and he hasn't been in Star Wars in 22 years. Uh, and he's a very accomplished actor, right? So it's just, it's that's the thing. That's the Star Wars thing that interviewers always got to ask the Star Wars questions, mostly because a lot of them are Star Wars fans themselves, and they like to find out uh, just from a fan perspective. So here we are with Kevin Feige again, uh, just kind of saying like, no. And, you know, he, here's the thing. If Kevin Feige, like Disney is not doing great and they had a rough year they took it on the chin just like all of us except they're a giant massive movie studio they wouldn't be hiding the fact if kevin feige was indeed secretly running and heavily involved with working on star wars uh behind the scenes if he was actually working on this they would not keep that a secret because investors and shareholders who see the amount of Buckets and truckloads of money this guy brings in out of his his Marvel productions. Top producer of all time. The second being the president of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. They would not keep... There's no reason to keep that a secret. Dumb. Okay? Especially when they need people to want to invest in their company. If he was working in Star Wars right now, they would make sure everybody knew about it. It would be the exact opposite. They, They like being secretive about their stories and the projects themselves, the titles, and they like to, you know, do the the mystery box and they like to make sure that fans aren't spoiled. Uh, you know, their reveals in story, something like this would, they they'd want people to know about it, mm-hmm. especially from, from, from just a logical business perspective. So the, these thoughts that like, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Feige is really the reason why the Mandalorian's good. And, Oh, Kevin Feige saved Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is, I'm, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it's just insane to me to think that they, it makes no logical sense that they would hide that the top movie producer of all time is working on another studio under your um, umbrella. So maybe I got a little spicy there, but I mean, let, let's just be common sense here, folks. Come on. So I, and it doesn't mean that maybe one day down the future he does, you know, do more than produce his movie. But he's Kevin Feige's not not the type of guy to be like, oh, no 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 when he really is. So it's just um, I, I think this is a very face value type of thing where if he was, we'd know about it and they would make sure we knew. Lacey, what are your thoughts on uh, on these these statements yet again? Um, I I agree with John a hundred percent that it it makes no sense that the story keeps coming up and I don't know why people people keep I said people people keep pushing for this story where Kevin's taking over. Um, he's got enough on his plate with Marvel and he's even stretching to produce a Star Wars project. I don't know why people seem to think that him being involved is going to bring success. I don't know where you guys have been for the past, what, five to ten years where Disney's been doing a pretty darn good job with Star Wars making a ton of money that they did it without Kevin Feige. So it's just kind of crazy that this keeps coming up over and over and over again. But we kind of jokingly said this last week with the Sebastian Stan thing, I think during our virtual cantina, where once again, they're asking Sebastian Stan, like, would you play Luke Skywalker? It's like, 
some press outlets have like 10 questions that they ask the same people over and over and over again. They're like, oh, let's right. open the Feige uh, folder. What do we ask him again? Oh, these are the top five questions we ask. Mm-hmm. Is Chris Evans going to come back to play Captain America? Will we see Robert Downey Jr. again? Is he involved in Star Wars? It's like the same three questions. This poor guy. I have to say, though, I appreciate that he does keep being straightforward about it. And it's like, mm-hmm. guys, stop. I also appreciate <laughs> that he says his involvement goes as far as watching The Mandalorian at midnight. But man, I wish I was watching The Mandalorian at midnight. And I'm very jealous that he's like, yeah, you know, midnight. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, um, exactly. But that was you know what? one big takeaway for me, too. I was like, <laughs> midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, look, if he eventually gets involved more, great. At this point, he's not. And I think people really need to let this one go. Um, because it's just driving me nuts having to keep talking about the same guy being like, no, I'm not. Stop. Doesn't it feel like it's just constantly this and whatever, if you don't like the movies they've been making, you know, fine. But it just, it seems like such a constant slight at Kathleen Kennedy and like this weird, like made up idea that she doesn't know what she's doing when she's been producing movies since these people who were talking trash about her weren't even a glimmer in their parents eye like she's been in the game for 40 years making massive movies i think she produced mrs doubtfire i was watching the other day and i was looking at imdb and i think she produced it and i was like (laughs) i was like really she does not everything so i think there's a there's a couple things with this like Number one, okay, just really quick, too, because we're not really talking about the Sebastian Stan thing, but that got brought up yet again. And I think the thing with that in particular is that I think that the bigger the outlet gets, um, they always think, you know, hey, we know that this question has been asked before. But when that story was when it was asked, it it only it only got shown to so many people and we have a much bigger audience. You know what sure. I mean? Like if I, if we had Mark Hamill on this show and we asked him some questions, then it goes out to people who are fans of the resistance broadcast and maybe a little bit further. But mm. if he answers the same question on say USA today or something like that, then obviously a bigger audience hears that question for the first time and uh, can answer it on a bigger, bigger set. So I think the larger, the, the, interviewer is they think oh this has been asked before but it's never been asked to this extent and people this is probably the first time a lot of people have even thought sebastian sand does kind of look like mark hamill oh he oh why are they asking him that and they look into it yeah they brought that up during endgame though on good morning america i'm pretty sure with mark hamill so it was one of those things that i was like this is just lazy like you're just looking for clicks like that's what this is so then going back to the Kevin Feige thing, I think s- something kind of similar, but not really. I think the reason a lot of these outlets ask is because they know they're going to get the answer that they're going to get, but there's always the chance that he says something different this time. Like since he's been asked <laughs> yeah. the last time, it's been three maybe years, something's so maybe. changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why they do it, which my... One part of me says you should know that they would announce this like he's not going to be like, oh, that's right. Yeah, we did just sign a deal like six months ago. (laughs) You're the first person to ask. I'll tell you all about it. Exclusive. Like I know. But that's the only thing I can think as to why they continue to bring it up. And also, 
as you were saying, John, too, like I know there's the slide against Kathleen Kennedy, but I think there is a certain side of the fan base that is like they go to the Marvel movies and they like what he's doing continually and they go to the Star Wars movies and it means a lot more to them Star Wars and they would like to see Star Wars in the hands of something another large property that they are currently enjoying at the time it's not everybody and it's not to say that Star Wars isn't successful I think that's black and white you can see that on paper a lot of the times but the thing is is like I think there is a subjective argument to to a lot of fans that are like well, yeah, it made money because everybody's going to go see Star Wars, going to see what it's all about. But at the end of the day, it's not good. And I like the Marvel movies, so I want Star Wars in the hands of someone who can produce. It's not that she's not good. I just want her to go do something else, get away from my Star Wars, which is kind of the problem. I understand. But I think that's where it's coming from. Like, you never hear, like, these big conspiracies about Warner Brothers or, like, Lions kind of though or, with Joss. I mean, Whedon maybe and, we just don't Snyder. hear that stuff because yeah. we're not in it. You know what I mean? No, but I mean in terms of like, you know, this big takeover and like that this president of this studio is really not the president of this oh, studio. Oh yeah, like, no presidents. Yes, yeah. I'm saying like directors all the time. But yeah, no, you're talking like high level. No, of course not. It's a, this is just, and I feel like it's so. I guess this is crazy in how I'm going to phrase this. Because this happens so damn often that my answer right now seems uninspired. It seems uh, lazy because we keep having to say these types of things. And it's just like, it's just like this. It's It comes from this place of hating Kathleen Kennedy for some reason. But, you know, I like Rogue One and I like The Mandalorian. <laughs> I, I, I think that she wasn't really involved in those two productions, you know. Favreau, you know, the, you know, it, didn't you know she was banned from the set? You're not allowed to, to, to pick and choose and do this a la carte of star Wars and, and not give her credit if you're going to slam her for the other stuff. And I feel like I've said this so many times on this podcast, but it just needs to be said. And if people, people really start need to use start need to start. There we go. Then. Sorry. Long night. <laughs> need to start using common sense more often. Think about this situation right now. Read these quotes. Uh, and then you hear Kevin Feige himself. And that's why like, I jokingly titled this episode today. Kevin Feige, con- Kevin Feige confirms Kevin Feige not secretly running Lucasfilm. <laughs> that's a good source. That's a pretty good source. <laughs> and it's like use common sense when you hear situations like this. Like, does this make sense? Like, th- would Disney not want, if he was really running stuff... Would they not want people to know that? And the answer is no. So it's just, I'm so tired of it. And people really need to start using common sense and logic in this Star Wars fandom because you you you, you look stupid. I'm sorry you do. And you, you're just adding fuel to this fire of nonsense. And it just needs to end. It's, I'm so... <laughs> I am so sick of it. I am well, so okay. uh, exhausted. John needs the the yeah. meme of Luke being like the Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> rumors what meme out of, need to uh, end with Luke at the door where he's turned yeah. to oh, Russia, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, time, it's time. It's time for the BS I, to end. I want to say, John, like you, you're, you know, you're totally right on this. Um, I, I want to be clear that again, the story was not so much like, is it true that you are secretly involved with Lucasfilm or something? This came on on the foot of 
the Falcon and the Winter Soldier dropping its n- new new series yes, on the success right. of WandaVision. They said, right. okay, when you were announced as a producer, I mean, this isn't all necessarily in the, the thing, but I can imagine if I was the reporter in this case, I'd be like, oh, you know, when you were announced as the producer, there was no Disney Plus. This this wasn't in the plan. You were announced to do a Star Wars movie because everybody knew you as the guy who does these movies. Cool. Well, now everybody knows you as the guy who does successful Disney Plus television. So let me ask you, you're already involved. You already have your foot in Star Wars. Is there more? Are, are you pr- helping produce any of these TV shows? Uh, right, right. You know? Right. So I think there's a little bit of a, a hey, we, we haven't checked in with you since Marvel started dropping Disney Plus content, you know? <clears throat> and and Disney just announced, or Lucasfilm just announced, all these new Star Wars shows, you know? Like, maybe there's something here, and it, it's just, it's, it's like a non-story okay. because it's like asking somebody, you know, something that you you already know the answer to, and, and now I, it's confirmed that we are <laughs> something we already knew the answer to, you know. So. Right. It, but it's like, and it, I don't get riled up a lot, but when I do, I get too much, and I feel like I'm at, I'm at that point right now. But I haven't done one of these in a while, so real quickly, <laughs> like it's just like James also like, you know, we'll have uh, an article on Star Wars Newsnet reporting on this stuff. And then you'll see in the comments, someone's like, well, I, this is wrong. So Kevin Feige's wrong because I saw on this YouTube show, someone said Kevin Feige single-handedly saved the Obi-Wan Kenobi series because the Obi-Wan Kenobi series was going to be not have Obi-Wan Kenobi in it. And he was just going to appear at the end of the last episode. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, what are we doing? Like, th- th- this is like a bunch this is of the- bantha fodder, if you ask me. I mean, who <laughs> use use your brain? And honestly, like, I hope because James, you joke about this how you and McGregor gets asked these questions, and he laughs like, "What? No, we're filming in L.A. in like four yeah. months. Like, everything's fine. That sounds like a bunch of you know when he'll curse and stuff." Uh, I hope that some reporter has the has the lack of pride enough to ask him this exact situation and say, Ewan, I heard you are returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And originally the script said that you were going to not appear in the show at all, except at the very end of your last episode in your own series. I want that question asked to you, McGregor, to see that what That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, besides Anakin appearing as the Thal Siren in The Last Jedi. That we still just, remains... We, we just, we, we the need to stop. Is. We need to stop with this. <laughs> like, we need to find the truth, call out BS, and just stop with this because it's poisoning fandom. It's leading people to believe things that are not true when sometimes the truth enough makes fans act crazy. So I'm just calling on people to use your noodle. When you hear things, use common sense. Try to fact find. And let's let's try to flush garbage down the toilet and leave it there. Down with the Dianoga. Down in the trash compactor. Except we're not going to get them out of there. And also throw your egos down there too. Because I think that a lot of what plays into these fake rumors and stuff is ego. So maybe uh, stop. <laughs> the story's getting a, lot of, a little out of hand. <laughs> no, it's just... Shenanigans! Yeah, check your sources, so, guys. Check your sources. So it's, so it's getting like Luke a little out of hand? <laughs> oh. Hey, that sucked. Nice. <laughs> he was missing a hand. I don't know if you saw The Empire Strikes Back, but... Never. Spoiler alert. What? Star Wars? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm just saying, I'm not trying to hate, you know, I'm not trying to start fires. John, I'm just saying, John is no, no, doing no. this circle. Yeah, use common sense. Right. Use common sense. Yeah. Use use logic. Like, let's go. John, right. you're fine. Right. You're um, let's let's actually talk about our next story because it's going to bring us into the Mandalorian. And this was kind of um, a, a cool look into uh, or behind the scenes, I should say. Um, you're the, the ever popular ILM VFX. Wait, sorry, no, ILP VFX, a Swedish visual effects company, released their uh, demo reel, reel. Like, hey, yeah. check out what we do, and uh, they included, you know, Lucasfilm, obviously, and Hal Hickel um, on the the tweet where they put it out. Um, but this is just a little bit of a, a look at a lot of the scenes that were. Um, what do they call it? Uh, not home, but they give it to like a third party. Um, it's contracted. Con- contracted out. Yeah. Contracted, or something like that. Man. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's kind of cool to see that it's not always like Lucasfilm in house or something. There's a bunch of people that are working on these projects at all times. So Lacey, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts on, on this particular video? Was it, was it, uh, pretty cool? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love seeing this stuff because you, have a deeper appreciation for who works on this stuff. And I think that oftentimes the stuff we see in Star Wars projects and The Mandalorian, because there's a lot of practical mixed in, which we learned from Hal Hickel, there's this like combination of practical versus visual effects. And he says that they strive to be at a point where you don't realize where one begins and one ends, um, which is kind of where this fell because I think that a lot of the creatures that you see in the real, you assume that they're masks with a little bit of puppetry, but a lot of the stuff like the eyes are visual effects, which is something that's really hard to do, not only in visual effects, but in practical too, because the eyes are the most telling thing on a creature or human or any type of alien where it's the one thing that can turn you off if it's not done right. So it was cool to see that they did do a lot of practical mask work, but then they would put in, the eyes and stuff digitally which they had done for baby yoda grogu in season one um but yeah no i just loved seeing the environments get built um and how many layers go into it and all the little details that you don't realize um get put into the show not during shooting but after um and i also love to see how they were shot because bryce dallas howard talked about how they shoot it for visual effects but also shooting it how they would shoot it if there were none so that it looks more seamless and it's not all done in post. So when you're looking at the reel, you're seeing that it's not the full thing. <laughs> like some reels you see for like, I don't know, Avengers or something. It's like the whole scene is visual effects. And you're like, wow, there's nothing that's real here. A lot of the scenes that you see in this reel are, you know, the foreground is real. The people in it are real. Majority of it is real, except for this one piece, one person's eye or something like that. And it's really cool to see, um, how it all works and once again it's just really really awesome for our visual effects people to get the credit for how much work they do because oftentimes it's so good that people overlook it and don't realize the amount of work that goes into these things and i believe this company also did the spiders in the second mm. episode in season two um because they'd put up a separate video of them doing the spider kind of hitting the glass before it gets shot by carson tava what up paul um but yeah, that was really cool too. I, I love seeing how things are made because it, it just adds some depth to what you're looking at uh, and, and reminds you that there's so many pieces that go into the puzzle of a Star Wars project that, you know, don't sleep on <laughs> all the work that gets done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John, mm-hmm. Um, you watched this. What were you, what were you thinking? 
Yeah, I mean, it's cool because I had never heard of these guys. Um, the guys, you know what I mean? ILP um, before this. So uh, that is great that a studio like that can come into my field of vision because you always think, you know, it's ILM, ILM, ILM. Mm-hmm. That's the, those are the kings and uh, they are for sure. But then you have these other studios and these other people that get brought in to do these sorts of things uh, who maybe were grew up being inspired by people at ILM, like a generation before them. And now they have their own studio and stuff like that. And, and it also does remind you of how many people do work on these projects. Yeah. And um, uh, I thought it was a lot of fun seeing them do that this almost looked like one of those four-year consideration reels where yeah. they submit a movie for like an oscar nomination for visual effects and those quarren certainly reminded me a lot of the pirates of the caribbean yes uh, davy yeah. jones thing mm-hmm. and and uh we remember uh, hal hickel was telling us about those effects that uh, he worked on um for dead man's chest and and those movies that they won the oscar for uh, and you see that here through this ILP group. Now, I don't know the logistics of why they do some of this in terms of the contracting, but you're going to see more of this happen as they're creating more shows. Because as we, again, talked about on a recent episode, and I feel like that's the theme of mm-hmm. me here, is like, you know, going back to things we had talked about, is uh, there's only a certain amount of people at ILM that do that type of work. And they are probably going to need to say like, yeah, well, for this show and this show, you know, we need we want to bring in that studio because they were good at working on this, and this show requires A and B, and they're great at A and B, and we know their work from this. So I think they're you're going to see this more and more uh, as they create more Disney Plus content and more series, and of course when they ramp up with uh, the films, uh, you're going to have less. Um, you're going to have to lean on ILM a lot less. You're not going to be able to lean on them as much. The only thing that makes me a little nervous about is. It opens up more opportunities for leaks, and sometimes yep. that that could be dangerous. And you know, you, you, one department that works on one thing for Star Wars could have like fifty people working on it, and then as that you add more branches to that tree, uh, some more holes uh, can present themselves for leaks. So, which um, I think what we understand with leaks that did get out, it was through these types of people. Yeah, Visual yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta be careful with that. And a lot of these people are for hire, and like you know, they may go work on Marvel for a year, and then oh, you know, I, yeah, I worked on Star Wars. I may come back, and so that's a little risky. And I'm sure they're trying to keep an eye on that, and they're doing the best they can to to put you know uh, mm-hmm. trackers and and that sort of stuff on their information. But that I, I don't want to steer that to to, to negative town. I, really, this is just a very cool thing, and it's you know we we can't say enough about the Mandalorian's effects uh, clearly being top notch in my mm-hmm. opinion mm-hmm. Uh, from that first episode we saw of season two. Oh uh, my gosh. The Knocking the, out of the park from the yeah. first episode. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's they, they, when they were sh- talking about the Mandalorian and they were saying, it's going to be, we're going to hold it to the standard of star Wars movies. We were all, I think a little like, Oh, we'll see. We'll hope so. And, but they, they, del- they've delivered for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, good on, good on these guys. Yeah. Yeah, a couple things came to mind when I when I saw this. Number one was that like I'm looking at it right now, and it's like less than 400 likes, less than 100 comments, and it's like kind of a bummer. It's like even even though they did all the work, they put the majority of the work there, and this is just a recap. But they but they are exporting, you know, these versions out that are like this this layer, then this layer, then this layer, then this layer, and then they're like you know editing that all together. And it's for this tweet, and it like it comes out, and it's like okay, you know, some people saw it. It's just kind of a bummer, you know, that like if I were a company and I worked on the Mandalorian and I put out this tweet or whatever, I would like 
I don't know. I'd, I would want it to be seen by a lot of people, and it's like less than 400 likes. It's like, oh, Go retweet you know? the tweet right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, or just go check it out, you know, uh, if you haven't seen it, because it's really cool. Um, the other thing that I yeah, thought they're, of. They're on Twitter. What is it? At ILPVFX on yep. Twitter. And um, they're, they're called. What's their official name, James? It's like. I got it here in the article somewhere. I, I looked in the article. It's just ILP is a visual. Oh, Im- important looking pirates. <laughs> is that it. real? That's the, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yep. It says it right there. Important looking. Yeah, pirates. I love it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that caught my eye uh, about it, just in general, is like this is kind of a reminder that there are actually visual effects in the Mandalorian, and I know that seems kind of silly, but there was this period of time where we had this like practical renaissance and it was like when Mad Max was, you know, being nominated for all these awards and stuff that everybody was like, Oh, Hollywood is just all visual effects now. And, and we need to get back to practical. And, and they said, look at Mad Max as the example. That movie is all practical. It's like, no, make no mistake. (laughs) There are a ton of uh, like computer generated visual effects, CGI, all that stuff in that movie and force awakens got it too it's like force awakens has this big cover-up that it's all practical they got away from all the the visual effects and computers and jibber jabber stuff like that and it's like no like a hundred percent probably like one of the most you know computer generated movies like it it's crazy um and in the days of mandalorian we're so we're so fascinated with the volume and the technology behind the volume that we're like, Oh, they're doing everything. And then they just kind of shoot it. Yes. It's in the background, but it's like, once they shoot it, it's done. It's like, no, this, this show still has so much that needs to be done afterwards. Replacing, you know, they are still shooting blue screen. They are still shooting half of a set. They are, you know, replacing, um, backgrounds and stuff. Um, they are adding all these features to characters to make them more lifelike, including, you know, eyes. And like you were saying, I mean, it's just, it's crazy when you go watch it, you're like, dang, man, they really are doing the front and the back, you know, mm-hmm. both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on here. We want to talk a little bit about, well, we're going to stick with Disney plus shows. Um, and that is, uh, mostly about the upcoming show, the acolyte. Um, it was kind of speculated by a lot of fans that the acolyte might be kind of the culmination of the high Republic because of when it takes place. And when we know the Phantom Menace takes place. Um, so, uh, this was brought up recently, um, I'm sorry here. Was it Kevin Scott? Yes. Kevin yep. Scott, uh, during an interview and you know, they said, Hey, is the acolyte a, a show that's going to, you know, end up the high Re- end, the high Republic. Is that going to be officially the end? And he says, um, and I'm paraphrasing here. No, not really. Uh, as it turns out, we were actually working on the high Republic and when a project happens in Star Wars, people kind of look around and they say, hey, this is cool. We like this. Let's expand on this. And the show kind of came out of that. Uh, it's not necessarily something that is going to define what we're already doing in publishing. It's just an interesting statement. Um and, and you know he praises Star Wars for this. He says it's one thing is not bigger than the other. One things that come first sometimes set precedent for anything that comes after. Um, so John, I'm going to go back to you on on yeah. uh, this one to start off. What what were your thoughts on um, him saying this? Yeah, so this is a story that can definitely get confusing if um, 
you absorb the quote certain ways and and how questions are positioned. So <clears throat> he was kind of saying um, the Acolyte series did not dictate or alter the storytelling plans for the High Republic. And, you know, he, he points out, you know, we've been working on this for a few years now, and we're not sure when Leslie Headland was approached to do a story or a story, do a series for Disney Plus. But I think Russian Doll came out in 2019. Um, they probably liked what they saw there. She was on the red carpet for The Rise of Skywalker in December of 2019. Um, so they were probably already have a, a sort of uh, agreement working on at that point then. So you're figuring probably summer to fall uh, 2019, Leslie Headland, uh, they're getting the ideas together. And she pitched to them this idea about, remember she said the Atlas and the locations of Star Wars. And they probably didn't have the full story pinned down yet. So you got... You were, I'm, I'm placing her around summer to fall, uh, December 2019. We know um, they had been working on the High Republic stuff, the Project Luminous thing, uh, in, at least at the very earliest in 2018, um, because they made the big announcement at you know around celebration in, in 2019. And publishing it does take a very long time, because especially with something like this, where you have all these people working together to create a cohesive thing in an era. Uh, writing this stuff and making sure the continuity works and all that. You need the story group involved. This thing was probably in the works, I would say, even 2017. Who knows? Um, because, you know, DJ Older was a part of the first from a certain point of view. And I use these timestamps to try to, you know, detective work piece together when he these people maybe were pulled in. He did Last Shot. So his first thing was the certain point of view, which was 2017. Then he, you know, does Last Shot the next May. So they probably, oh, we liked working with DJ Older. Let's pull, let, you know, the writers get to know each other. They create their team. So I'm thinking 2018 is when Project Luminous started being written and started being created. Definitely predates her thing. That does not mean that the Acolyte is not still taking place at the end of the High Republic era because that is how they uh, showcased the show at that Kathleen Kennedy webcast, the Disney thing, when they, when they presented the show. They said it's going to be like the culmination of the higher public era. Um, so I think there's two things here. Yeah. But the main point is that that show was certainly agreed upon after the fact and certainly did not have any sort of uh, hampering or effect or alteration on what type of stories they were trying to tell with the higher public. I think it's going to be one of those things that they're going to, it's the opposite where they may try to connect the acolyte to the high republic and not the high republic having to adapt based on that show mm -hmm. yeah i i, I kind of took it too that the the acolyte was more like hey we aren't finishing the high republic with this show we're just saying that it takes place in that era because that era is really cool or whatever you know or it's just yeah, the time it frame is, we want to set it is going to be the, towards the end of it it doesn't mm -hmm. mean it is the end of it but yeah yeah lacy um yeah. what what are your thoughts on this um, I agree that the the comments slash questions about this in the interview were a little confusing, especially for someone like myself who hasn't really dived in much into the High mm -hmm. Republic yet. It's just a lot. And I'm sure other Star Wars fans feel the same way. It's like so much stuff going on. I know I'm going to get to it, but it just hasn't happened yet. Um, But from what I know of it, I guess my question is, doesn't the High Republic take place over like a thousand years? No. Well, how long is the High Republic period itself? 
so when we when we first jump into the High Republic, it's about 150 <laughs> years before the Phantom Menace, and we know that okay. the Acolyte takes place about 50 years before. So okay, so this we're kind of just doing the math to say prior to the Acolyte. Ish. yeah yeah that's a big chunk of time guys <laughs> yeah. think of all the stuff we've gotten just between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith and like all the things during the original trilogy that yeah. we've seen um and now we're getting mandalorian after uh return of the jedi a hundred years is a long long time it's a long time to, to i don't know have a, a story like this to have such a big impact on stuff that happened 100 years prior now there might be one or two things that they pull from the books that are like hey here's a reference hey here's something to drive people to the books but i don't think that the story of the acolyte is going to be determined based on what the high republic does and i don't think the high republic is going to be impacted by what that the acolyte does because there's that 100 year period that they can just kind of explain away anything with that much time like it's not like Last mm-hmm. Jedi, which is happening the next day, where you're like, okay, everything has to match up here. Yeah, so so my thoughts yeah. here is where this is coming from probably is like right now the Jedi say they work for an organization called the High Republic. <laughs> that is the name <laughs> of the government that they work for. But when we start Phantom Menace, they don't call it that. So sure. there is kind of a period somewhere between what we know they're starting in, you know, um, Light of the Jedi, and then the Phantom Menace, that they stop calling it that name. And so I think people were saying, okay, so maybe about 50 years before or so, that is when this big TV show takes place. Maybe they're going to use this big television show to kind of say, hey, we're in the High Republic, and people are like, oh, what's that? That's interesting. But then by the end of the show, we get an explanation of why they stopped calling it that and Mm -hmm. why they moved into this new era. And then like 50 years later, we're still in that era. And it doesn't really have anything to do with it, but it explains why this is not called the High Republic over here, if that makes sense. I I think that's kind of the speculation of where this is going. And Kevin is clearing up the the question here is like, you know, that might be the case. He's not saying that, but that still might be the case. What he's clarifying is that, that they didn't say we're going to make this television show. And therefore you guys are only allowed to write up to this television show. Right. They may have very well written out the story that ended 50 years before and then she's doing this show that's also kind of showcasing that era and that time frame for sure. the, for that exact reason. But because it's not part of what he's doing, he's saying, no, 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 nothing about that show dictates what we're doing. I think right. is is how I'm interpreting this this article mm-hmm. and this uh, not article. It, it just it just interview. Yeah, it just can't just because the publishing process is very long. Mm-hmm. It takes but a very I, long time. I, I think I think that it's still possible that this show this show could um you know kind of explain that that name change and very well it's also just as possible that this show could be very like Mandalorian-esque in the sense that like who cares changing the name yeah that's over there it doesn't matter that, yeah you know yeah. it's happening right now but like we're not paying any attention to it you this story is about this character on this journey going to these planets at the exact same time there's a war happening <laughs> and you know they've decided that there's a new name that they're going to call the the galactic government it you know um sure. it might just have nothing and- to do with it all together ju- just from the perspective of the size of your audience 
the Acolyte can be used as a very important vehicle for people who aren't going to even ingest the High Republic mm-hmm. or know that the High Republic is a thing. The Star Wars fan, your, you know, your dad or your sister or whoever who, uh, oh, Star Wars movie coming out? Star Wars show? Mandalorian? Baby, Baby Yoda? Okay. Um, they can use the Acolyte to cut the cord of some loose ends of the High Republic so that it's for them connected on a certain plane of TV shows or, mm-hmm. you know, live action or something like that. Um, but it, that doesn't mean that it's impacting the High Republic content itself. I don't right. know if that makes any sense, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting if they come in and they're like, Oh, we're called, you know, they live in this era and it's called the High Republic or whatever. And then you have all these fans that haven't been paying attention and all they're like, Oh, it's supposed to be the old Republic. They messed it up. Yeah. <laughs> There's another yeah. example of Disney messing right. it up. They can't <laughs> right. even get it right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, it's funny though. Um, I don't know. I, I'm interested in the show, obviously. Uh, very excited. I finally did watch Russian Doll, by the way. I watched all the episodes just to get a vibe. It's okay. It had its high points, had its low points for me. And uh, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, you know, I'm surprised that, like, of all television that's out there, this is the one where they're like, we got to get this person, you know? But at the same time, it's like, it's not like it's a bad show. And I like Star Wars content. So if, if it was this show or not this show you know it's like i'll take it that's fine i'm excited for it i like the air i like the idea behind it i think russian doll was fine and and i'll like this show even if it's fine it's star wars so it's better than fine to me (laughs) you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it just makes it that much better the pulse yeah like fan pulse and stuff like that and like like the benioff and wise thing like when they were brought in those guys were the kings Mm -hmm. and it was before the last season and everyone loved game of thrones and Star Wars was like, this is a guaranteed success it, for us yeah. to tell our fans that we're doing this. And like Rush, Russian, <laughs> and look what, yeah, yeah, look what happened. And then Russian Doll, you know, was really well received critically and fans seemed to like it. And they're like, you know, we want some uh, women content uh, creators. Uh, she's a big personality. Mm-hmm. She gave us this idea, this pitch. We want to talk to her, bring her in the room. And they're probably like, we love the energy. You know, we want, we want that person in the room here. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, that's probably how that kind of came about. Yep. Um, so we're all excited. Um, that's pretty much it for the major stories. I did want to talk about a couple other things really quick just because there was a new book announced. Um, and it's not just, I hate to say it, but like another Thrawn or something like that. This one's kind of interesting because it's actually stemming off of a, a series that we haven't got yet. So they announced uh, on that publishing panel, or I'm sorry, the Investor's Day a while ago that we were getting 10 new Marvel series, and one of them was Visions, and it was this like... You mean Star uh, Wars? Not Marvel. Star Wars Did series. I say Marvel? I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Feige is doing it! It's true! <laughs> <laughs> this will appear in one of those videos where it's like, James Bainey, a person who's paid James. by Disney, makes slips up and says right. what he right. knows is true. Yeah, no. Um they forgot to edit their podcast. But no, Star Star Wars Visions is this this thing that's um, you know, very anime inspired and uh it's going to be the show and, and cartoons and you know, kind of cool. 
And uh, this show, this book is going to be called Ronin, and it's an original novel based on uh, one of the stories that we're getting from this. So it's kind of cool. It's like, <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's kind of like how we got the Mandalorian and then we were going to get an original novel from the Mandalorian. Didn't right. happen. But mm. this is kind of an example of that. But what's interesting about it, like I said before, is that, you know, we just, we haven't even seen anything from Visions. And they're obviously already excited enough to say, you're going to love this. And you're we're we're breaking out even further because we have more stories to tell with this. This is not going to be a one and done thing. These things live in canon, and we are going to expand more stories with these new characters. So get excited, kind of thing. And I, I'm pretty, uh, I was pretty pumped when I heard about that because Ronan's also cool, just in general. You know what I mean? I think the the idea of the Jedi and the sem, uh, mm-hmm. samurai and stuff like that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, one other thing that we wanted to tell you guys too is that there's a Currently, right now, there's a review up for Doctor Afra, Doctor Afra number eight on Star Wars Newsnet. Um, you know, but the idea here is that just head over to the site uh, if you want reviews on all the comics, on all the books, and stuff like that, because we we do that stuff here. Um, the thing is, is like not everybody has the time to read the books. Not everybody has the time to read the the comics and stuff. So what Star Wars Newsnet does is we'll read through them and we'll give you kind of the the main basis of what's happening. There's spoiler reviews of of all of the comics on the site every time they come out, and um and they'll tell you what's going on so you can keep up that way. And then me and Kyle do book reviews, and so we have those up as articles, and we also do videos for them as well. And we'll kind of talk through. Um, we even have these ones where we'll kind of explain the book to you and just kind of tell you what happened in the book. So if you have never thought to do that, you want to keep up with some of the material that's going on in Star Wars, but you just don't have the time, the money, or the energy, or whatever it is, Check out Star Wars Newsnet. We got it covered for you. No, I didn't mean to say that. We'll read it for you and uh, put it out there so you can check it out. Um, it's a force for news, James. <laughs> it's a force for news, guys. <laughs> um, all right, but that's it for Resistance Report this week. Uh, Lacey, you're up now. What are we doing? Guys, it's time for the Patreon pod race. So there are lots of ways you can support us. You can like this comment or like this comment, like, like this, this video, comment, comment which subscribe. Comment? Which comment? <laughs> you can like any like? comment you want. Oh. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at rbatswnn. You can follow us on Instagram at the Resistance Broadcast. Or if you want more content from us and want to support the show, you can head over to res- uh, Patreon.com/slash/ResistanceBroadcast. I am flubbing all over the place. All right. So that being said, starting at $2 a month, you support the show. You support what we're doing, making new content, uh, upgrading equipment, all those things. You're just supporting what we're doing and saying, yep, I'm in. So you can join the resistance over on Patreon. So our top tier, our generals get to be a part of the show. And this is their segment. So first, I'm going to say thank you to those patron generals, which are, and I'm going to take a deep breath here. Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese, Micah Harrison, Jetta Rosewater, Michael Gaines, Beerfet Bethany, Russ Harbison, Kendall Gelnar, Paul Olson, Jake Houchins, Jeff Connery, Oliver Lewis, Dave Hornack, Frank Grande, Ryan Wara, and Val Trichkoff. Thank you, Thank you so much. I was watching something the other day. I can't remember if it was Seinfeld or True Lies. So I apologize. I don't know which one it was, but someone <laughs> was made up a, a fake name. Jet involved? Oh no, it was definitely Seinfeld. They were making up <laughs> fake names, and someone was like, "Blah blah blah, Harbison," and he goes, "That sounds like a fake name." And I said, "It is not. Russ's last name is Harbison." Really? <laughs> yeah, it was that one. I am an architect. I'm the architect. 
Oh, so yeah, they're making up where he makes up Vandalay. Yeah. Vandalay, yeah. So, Russ, your last name is featured in Seinfeld. Um, All right. So, this week we have Andrew Staley, one of the greatest Star Wars fans, Andrew Staley. And we asked him a question. So, in this segment, we ask you a question, you give us your answer, and we respond. So, his question was, Yoda has appeared in seven Star Wars movies and two series with many memorable moments. What is the Yoda scene or moment that means the most to you? Andrew, take it away. Thanks for the great question, guys. My favorite scene comes from The Last Jedi uh, when Luke is getting ready to burn the tree down and Yoda appears. Um, The words that Yoda tells Luke, failure is the greatest teacher or some sort of that. Uh, I always kind of live by that anymore after that movie. Um, I try to say, you know, don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, that's how you learn is by making mistakes. And that applies to our life. It applied to Luke in the movie where in The Rise of Skywalker, Luke basically kind of coaches Rey that, you know, you need to move on from your heritage and accept, you know, who you are and, and why Leia trained you. It was, it's a good lesson, and you know Yoda delivers some real words of wisdom for Luke and then also for all of us fans in the real world. So that's a moment that was really uh, awesome, and I always think back to almost every day. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. May the Force be with you. Nice job, Andrew. Great answer. I think The Last Jedi definitely sticks out as a top Yoda moment for me as well. It's just the failure thing is... It just struck a chord with me. John, what did you, what did you think? Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, it's a, certainly a great scene in The Last Jedi, and I liked what they did bringing Yoda back in that way. Um, I like that you say that even as a grown adult, you took something away from that and applied it to your life as a lesson. And that, you know, these movies, you know, George Lucas said they were you know made for 12-year-olds to, you know, because as you're going to become a teenager and you have to make it you know, decisions that are going to change the trajectory of your life. Adults are always growing and learning too. And that, you know, failure is a big part of being an adult. And you, you bring that up and saying that it it influences you is, is huge, man. And then I liked what you said about tying it in to sort of like the rise of Skywalker, because people are often saying like, there's not enough connectivity between the movies, but you know, your, like you say, your uh, heritage can be a line of failure or disappointment or darkness, and that doesn't define you. Uh, so I love, I love that you tied that in too. And uh, you know, as always, you're just uh, a knockout, awesome, great Star Wars fan. Um, we are honored that you're a part of uh, what we do here, and to say that you support us really means a lot to me because you're one of the best as always. Thanks, Andrew. James. Yeah. Um, the reason I like this pick, and I, I you know, it's kind of one of those like the sleeper or the underdog pick or whatever because i think when people think about yoda generally they're gonna go oh well you know empire strikes back and they're probably gonna think of the prequels and stuff like that um but this is kind of one of those things where it's like really goes to show that they nailed it you know goes to show that like um yoda still got it like the the words and the lessons and the prophetic teachings that he has like it's so crazy um that there's a lot of pressure on that scene to be like, oh, we're bringing back Yoda. Probably like, you know, some of the characters are extremely iconic and anything he has ever said was iconic. You know what I mean? Like there's not very many like throwaway lines or unimportant uh, wisdom or dialogue from Yoda, you know? So it was very important that everything he says in this um, holds up because there's a lot of pressure on it. And uh, obviously, you know, you showcase in this, uh, Padres that you know it it 
it worked, you know, it, um, it, it holds up, they did a good job with it. Um, so I think by pressure alone too, um, the success here is what makes this a, a big, big standout scene. So great pick Andrew. Um, and I love that, you know, you can still take words from Yoda. It's awesome. Awesome. Andrew, again, great job. You're a wonderful Star Wars fan. We love your support. It means so much to us. Uh, and you have adorable cats. I don't know if anybody knows this. Adorable <laughs> cats. Um, so, yeah. Now we're going to head to John to hear from others from the community. So, John? Yes. Yeah, so it's time for Ask the Resistance. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? And this segment here is one where we put out a pitch for you to send questions. Sometimes you just send them in. If you are on Twitter, use hashtag Ask the Resistance and we'll find them very easily. Or you could submit them via our email and other ways as well. Sometimes our patrons do submit them and we use them there. Uh, sometimes a uh, little behind the curtain, I borrow from Will of the Force submissions once in a while. You know, if I see a good question. But anyway, we have some good ones here. So let's get into them. Uh, Lacey, why don't we start with you this week? You know, we'll change What? It. Uh, Weird. Uh, has Aslam, <laughs> what's going on, buddy? At has underscore Aslam uh, asked, following uh, a little bit on a little from Solo, would you like to see more material, perhaps even R-rated, that show the day-to-day goings-on within Crimson Dawn? I believe this is Hassan. Hey, Hassan, what's up? Great question. It is. Um, so here's the thing. I like your question. I like where you're going here. I do want Crimson Dawn to be a part of the solo sequel, the movie or series, preferably series for me. I know everyone always corrects me on Twitter. I do want a series. <laughs> I do want a series. Um, so this is tricky for me because I want to see that story told in solo. But if you were to give us the solo two stuff and then say, oh, we're now going to branch off to this kind of syndicate stuff. I'd be all for it. The rated R stuff's a little tricky only because I always see Star Wars is for kids. Um, mm-hmm. And once you get mm-hmm. into that R rating, it's hard to argue that kids are okay to watch it. And I know that parents took their kids to Deadpool. And I know parents show the kids Justice League or whatever that might be rated R. Is Justice League rated R? I feel like it is. No, but it, the, it, the, the, the new yeah, one. Oh, the yeah, the one new is. one. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, the new Deadpool, though, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be rated R. Right. So it's just weird to me. Like Deadpool makes sense that some of the jokes in there are ridiculous. But like then you see like a Batman movie that like a kid Mm -hmm. can't necessarily go to watch. And Batman's kind of like, I don't know, growing up, Batman was a big thing to me. So it's tough for me to argue for the rated R stuff for for Star Wars because it's always been for families and kids. And we see that from Dave Filoni. We see Mm -hmm. that from George Lucas, that it's about families and kids. And that's what kids need is hopeful stories is what Dave Filoni said about The Mandalorian. So I guess you could branch into that R-rated stuff if you want to. And if they did, I would totally watch it, and I'm sure I would love it. Um, it's just tough for me to, to to get there because of all the messaging we've been getting basically my whole life is that it's for families. So would I like to see it? I'll like to see anything like James was saying before. Anything Star Wars is good. <laughs> Give me more. But yeah. uh, rated R, I, I like the idea that kids can watch it. So probably not. All right. Okay, James, you are up. This one is from Frank Grande, one of our generals. Uh, Frank Grande the third. Um, well, Frank Grande, I, I, I. I don't know if you're the third, Frank. Um, do you think we might ever get a Young Yoda live action series? You were just uh, delving into how iconic Yoda is. So, what do you think? So, the quick answer, Frank. Um, 
thanks for sending this question. This is a good one. Because I think um, a, a lot of different opinions could come out of this. But in my personal opinion, I don't think we will ever get, like, you know, young rock, like <laughs> young Yoda. Like, you know, I don't think we'll get that series. But I definitely, like, 100% think that you will see a young Yoda in live action at some point in some show. It will happen. Um, now, granted, depends on your definition of young, because we talked about the Acolyte earlier. 50 yeah. years younger is going to make that yeah. big of a difference, honestly. But yes, young Yoda. Um, but the question here, I think, is are we going to get a show led by Yoda uh, a young Yoda, you know, in his prime kind of thing. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to get another show set in an era about other characters and Yoda will be there. He will be involved. He'll make on-screen appearances, give dialogue, stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think there will be a show called, uh, you know, Yoda or the adventures of Yoda or Do you Jedi think that has Master to run through Yoda George? Isn't he super protective of Yoda? I don't know. I I would if I had to guess, um, and I could just could be. I feel uh, like that was the one thing. I, again, this could be a rumor. That was like the one thing he didn't want Disney to touch was Yoda. I, I there. I bet there were certain contingencies in his contract when he sold it that you know you can't do this or do that or mm. you know. So which is know, why Grogu he, was such a big deal because they went yeah. to him. I think right, didn't they? Yeah. It, it's weird though because yeah, it, it's so. it's hard to say that that you could say like, "Hey, I'm going to sell you Star Wars," and you're like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And he's like, "Here's a couple of contingencies: don't mess with my characters like Star or like Luke and Darth and Yoda. Don't I do think stuff Yoda, with that." Yeah, I think Yoda's you know, the only one though. I know, but I mean, it seems kind of strange that like, "Hey, I want you to expand this universe. I want you to go further." And <laughs> in in even in this case, arguably, I know like they ruined Luke Skywalker. Like, what is it, what is it about Yoda that he's going to be like, just don't touch that guy. Cause they did revisit him. They did already do something that could potentially have ruined his character. He could have came out and his advice could have been, um, just tell her, uh, to make him a good guy or something, you know, <laughs> like Yoda could have given really poor, stupid advice and it would have ruined his character. I don't, I don't necessarily think that if they said they wanted to do a show that revolved around Yoda, that it would, you know, ruin his. I, I mean, I don't think that would be like the line that I just remember. And this might be George. me misremembering. I remember for season one of Mandalorian, they had said that they had to go back to George for Grogu, and mm -hmm. Favreau had to pitch it to him. I think it to was kind of like get Filoni. that approval. Yeah, Filoni, Filoni being yeah. like, "Hey, we know, we know this is an important character to you." Um, you know, hey, we're we're kind of expanding yeah. on that. And I think I don't think it was more like a contractual thing. I think it was more like a polite, kind gesture, Respect. like, hey, we wanted to Maybe. ask you okay. what were you know, what are your thoughts on us going forward with this? Well, we, we know to show it to yeah, you first. Lucas felt one of his bigger mistakes was the Yaddle thing. Like he, yes. he almost erased Yaddle himself in the subsequent. <laughs> Dave was like, prequels, he hated so. Yaddle. Don't yeah, bring up so Yaddle. I think that, that, that certainly is a thing like, Hey, we're going to try this species out again. Like, let's make sure the old man's cool with it. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah. um, Sorry. I didn't mean to derail that question. I was just, no, it's fine. I couldn't it's remember. A, yeah. if... I'm sure a lot of people listening wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. That, hear all that. Yeah. It's good. Um, all right. So we'll do one more here. 
Uh, I'll try to tackle this one. This is from Alex Zukas at Zubaka. A uh, huge Mighty Ducks fan. I was going to say, um, you're still wearing your hockey gear, Alex. Yeah. Anybody What's watch up, Game Alex? Changers? I did. Not yet. Don't Not spoil yet. it. Not yet. Don't spoil. I won't spoil it. Just I'm too busy hating the new Captain America. Lacey, you're the you're the spoiler around here. (laughs) So Raya just came out an hour ago. It's not even done yet. But here's what happens. (laughs) Did you guys Uh, watch it yet? (laughs) No, No. not yet. We're waiting. Still waiting for that thirty dollar price to drop. Uh, All right. So will we ever hear about the great disaster in future Star Wars stories that take place during timelines most fans are familiar with? Um, yeah, so the Great Disaster is that cataclysmic event that kind of kicks off the High Republic. Um, do I think so? Yes, I do. Um, I think it'll be something that they can mention without confusing people to, like James likes to say, like, give us the nods, give, give uh, feed the diehards what they deserve, which is being able to point out things that don't derail your story or something <laughs> like, you know, the Harrison Dula reference in Rogue One. That didn't change mm-hmm. or affect anything. You know, Harrison, General Sandula. Oh! report to the um, so briefing room i think i think it will be a something that is talked about i don't know how much it'll play I, i'm curious to see how much the high republic branches out beyond the high republic era itself i don't know if they're going to keep it in a bubble or if they're going to expand upon it um that remains to be seen but i think it w- is something that they'll try to weave in um i don't think they'll i, I hope they don't try to muck up and 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 get it too involved in the narrative for like original trilogy comics and stuff yeah but i do think it's, it's something that they will talk about and they will reference because something as big as the great disaster you know it has to be something that jedi talk about in the future uh after yeah. their, their their peak or something mm-hmm. like that so mm-hmm. um yeah so i think so um i don't know james you're you're the biggest fan of the high republic do you agree on that yeah, you're I th- you're 100. I I think like as new stuff comes out, they always figure out ways to kind of feed it in somewhere along the story. Like, you know, they'll say things like, "Oh, it's old Clone Wars tech" or something like that, and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah," you know, and it's just that nod. And sometimes they do it a little ahead of the ahead of time too. Um, like yeah. in some books and things, they'll talk about like certain Jedi masters that nobody knows the name of. So it feels like an imaginary thing, but then they already know they're working on this other show or something. Or, um, yeah. yeah. So it, it's kind of cool. Sometimes the way they go through all that threading and processing of, of feeding in the new material that obviously isn't there in the original stuff because it didn't exist. Yeah. Um, right. but we have to kind of make it like it was exist. So we'll throw in a couple of these references, uh later yeah you're definitely going to hear about high republic and the great disaster and stuff in future star wars stories absolutely Lacey, for good measure yeah or nay wait what am i yang or nay do you, you think agree? they'll yeah they'll they'll mention the great disaster in future stuff just as a let's connect this just a yeah little it's bit. easy easy to yeah. do yeah all right so that is it thank you for those questions keep those coming uh it really helps the show and you know it, it gives another uh, uh set of uh point of view into <laughs> uh, in terms of like stuff we can talk about so we Don't appreciate that, that jokes, noise. keep them coming what was that noise? so uh this <laughs> is the end of the show uh we want to thank everybody for listening and watching and being a part of trb thanks for letting me get a little spicy on everybody there but uh you can subscribe to us on all the audio apps we're on all the big ones if we're not let us know but you know you're looking at apple podcast spotify my personal favorite uh, Amazon Music, Podbean, Google Play, wherever podcasts are, we're there. And of course, here on the YouTube channel. So make sure you do subscribe and share us with a friend because spreading the word is how we grow. So we appreciate that. As James said before, Star Wars News Net, that's all you need to know. He covered it well. 
Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and at StarWarsNewsNet.com. And tomorrow, my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies, we are releasing our episode on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was a really cool discussion. I actually learned some things about that movie I, I didn't know before. So go check uh, check out my yeah. pod over there. And uh, so The Man, The Myth, The Legend, James Bainey. Where can hey, people there I am. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks. Yep. Nice. Uh, Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. Please follow us on Instagram at The Resistance Broadcast and share when you're listening to the episodes and stuff. It's always funny yes. to see it. Those, those are cool um, to see. And it also spreads the word, like John says. Um, we're growing over there, so that's nice. And then get ready because I believe in a week, John has his first schmodown. Do I? I better start studying. <laughs> Is Jeez. it a week? It's the 9th, right? April 9th. Yes, yeah. next so week. What, what, a week what was from Emperor Friday. Palpatine yeah. before he was the emperor? Is it A, senator, B, golf enthusiast? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, I don't like this on the spot stuff. I'll get back to you. Yeah. All right. I, all right. I also don't I don't want to give my opponent any like it's the lights. Oh, jump. so he he thinks he's a golfer. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. No, just yeah. get ready to cheer John on. We're really excited for him. You guys yeah, saw week me from Friday. do mine, yeah. so now we get to watch yeah. John. Appreciate John, that. Adam Witt. No, Adam mm. Witt's on my team. That's I'm true. I'm Eric Whiteley. I'm thinking of the Eric tournament. White. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I am not in the tournament. Neither uh, am Eric, I. Yeah, Eric Whiteley is who I'm playing a week from I'm Friday. So sorry. Yes. Yeah, Eric Whiteley. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Thank you again. We hope you enjoyed this show. Tell your friends about us. And we'll be back Thursday where we are going to talk about or speculate on how Ewan is going to bring himself closer to Alec Guinness's version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we'll see what that leads to in terms of that discussion. But until then, enjoy your weeks and we'll see you Thursday morning right here on TRB. See you around, kids.